don't do something that you don't love. Even though it might be rough and, and times are times are tough, dream big and, and do what you are passionate about. Regardless of, of all the obstacles that come in your way, just keep on trucking and you'll be doing something that you love all the time and it's like you'll never work a, a day in your life. You're listening to the Talking 20 Podcast. This podcast is for you if you're in your 20s and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing? We've all been there and we want to talk about it. We're your hosts, Bridget O'Rourke and Mary Margaret Courtney, and we sit down with fellow millennials to chat about their journey and hear what they've learned along the way. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Talking 20 Podcast. Today, we have Kelsey Richard on the show. She is an outgoing go-getter. She started her career off in journalism, working in the music industry, but took the opportunity to pivot into something that she was more passionate about. Something that we're all more passionate about. She has made her way into the world of beer as an artist liaison (laughs) uh, for Collective Arts Brewery in Hamilton, Ontario. We're going to get into whatever the heck that means later. Um, Now, (laughs) Kelsey is one of those people who's always guaranteed to be the life of the party. Um, I know you know the kind of person I mean. She loves to travel, drink beer, which is super relatable, again. And like the rest of us 20-something-year-olds, she loves a good thrift shop bargain. Mary wrote this, and I'm hoping that it's on point because I love you. No, this is like, can you please, (laughs) can I get this in writing so I can put this on my LinkedIn, on my, all the things that require a bio? (laughs) Certification? (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Wait, there's more. Kelsey's always pushing herself to do more and challenge herself in different aspects of her life. And today we're going to get into it and get her to tell you about how she does it all. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Ooh, thanks for having me. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. I feel pumped up. I feel ready for the. <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. I'm a lot more. Do you want to open your was. beer now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay. It wasn't a full crack because I kind of already cracked it before. Because you already, yeah, 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 it's okay. I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm pouring my beer. Sounds like you're peeing. Fully <laughs> I promise like I'm not peeing. Like, a, but trying to be really quiet. It's like a about slow it. stream <laughs> into a full stream. It's like very healthy. Love it. Love it. We're By the way, this is an 8.5. Yes, I knew wow. it was like an 8% beer. I'm, I'm drinking a 6.1, so a little bit higher than normal, but. You're getting wasted. Mary's going to get a little bit weird. <laughs> Mary and Kelsey are both drinking a beer from Collective Arts right now because it's very on brand. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get the memo <laughs> and didn't get one. So I'm drinking lemon water. Wow. Wah-wah. I should have sent care packages. I'm really upset about this, but uh, maybe next time. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you send care packages for like the release of your episode, because this isn't coming out for like a month, we won't be mad about okay, it. Okay, like, we won't good. be mad. Also, my boyfriend is right beside, and he is uh, did just finished his Perdome beer sommelier, and like absolutely loves collective arts, and so he just got stoked about the idea of that. So that's dope. Yes, don't worry, He's care package is on the way. <laughs> oh, it's already in the mail. It's on so the way. Excited. So excited! My All right, so how do you people. guys know each other? <laughs> yeah, Kelsey and I met at uh, Coca. Which by now, if you have been listening to our podcast, most of the people Mary know are from that conference. 
Canadian Organization of Campus Activities. If you want to learn more, go back and listen to almost any other <laughs> podcast we've done so far. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's like my entire social, my, my whole network basically comes from that world. Yeah. So would like, I have met Kelsey? <clears throat> the year I that don't I believe there. so. I think Kelsey, oh, I'm going to try and probably like, oh gosh, London was my first one, but I don't know what year that was. Oh, that mm-hmm. I was in London, 2017, yeah, but 2017. So that makes sense. That's yeah, when I was, was there. Like, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, sure. Sweet. Well, we've met. Let's we say yes. We met. You were there. Bridget was working in the office <laughs> once that year. Again, oh, it was my once first again, year. Once so again, like uh, we probably did shots together. Ooh, <laughs> we probably did do shots. Just fell over. Just gonna. We probably yeah. did shots together. Bridget's already. Drunk. I said that to the, our last, the guest in our last episode as well, because she was also at Coca, and we also didn't know that we met. But I was like, probably, we probably did shots drank together. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, and especially if it was your first year, Kelsey, you'd be like getting your feet wet and like yeah. getting to know people. And oh, yeah. totally. My second okay. year, I feel like I met a ton of people, but I didn't know anybody's names. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's my life. Like I, every year I'm like, I know people's faces and I just wait for them to come to the office. And then I hear them say their name and I'm like, okay, don't forget that for seven days. And then after the seven days, it's gone again. There's name tags half the time anyways. You're good. People wear them, like, the first day at least and, you know, just get warmed up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, like, you're always in the same room as people, so you can at least just go, like, hey! And then it seems normal, but I'm like, I don't remember your name. There's a hundred and some odd people in this room. (laughs) I don't know. Or just call them by their school. That works, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so. Sorry. Uh, so should we, should we get started in the, in the careers? Ooh, yes. In let's the careers get section? started. Go for it, Bridge. Okay. So let's start from high school, Kelsey. You're in grade 11. You're in grade 12. Whenever you're deciding what your next, you know, move is, what are you thinking at this point? I knew from the ripe age of however old you are in grade four, <laughs> um, what I want <laughs> Like seven? Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. no, I feel like. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe eight or so. No, probably older, yeah. like ten, maybe. Oh, I don't know, I don't something know, like that. Whatever. Anyway, Fourth nine. Grade. You're nine. Nine. All right. Nine. Nine. <laughs> uh, no, I always knew what I wanted to do. Um, I would watch the news before dinner with my family, and I wanted to be that girl that told everybody what was going on in the world. It wasn't like I wanted to be on TV and be a movie star or whatever. I just wanted to like be in the know of what was going on and be able to like share that to pe- with people um and so did yeah go ahead did you used to watch the news like a lot I feel like that's really heavy for a nine-year-old it was always on when my mom was like cooking dinner and stuff it was always on in the background um not that we like sat in front of the tv and like had popcorn and we're like (laughs) watching the news as our entertainment right (laughs) but it just kind of always always was on in my household and that's kind of how I got into it and and the more I thought about it too is like there was a lot of inspiration from like TV shows like my favorite show growing up was Full House and Danny Tanner was a reporter Um, I loved Gilmore Girls like Rory was she wanted to be a journalist it kind of all came together and I think those were like where my influences came from um, and why I wanted to do what I wanted to do so um, did it which is crazy um but I don't know if I want to do I want to get into that now should we go throughout my we'll go there we'll go there (laughs) we'll We'll totally go there I mean like yeah it sounds pretty easy peasy for you we talk a lot with people about how at that age range it's like how the hell are you supposed to 
make that decision at that age. Um, you and I have similar story in the sense where it was like, I, like, I don't, it was never an option. I was just going to school for musical theater. Cause that mm-hmm. was the thing I always did worrying about a career or my life down the road or the type of adult I'm going to be in the type of life. Something never mattered. Yep. I was going to school for that thing and that was it. And then, you know, it takes you on the lovely journey. It does, but kind of a nice relief for you because you didn't have to go through that, like, Totally. Um, like it doesn't sound like you have any resentment for that or any regret for going to do the thing you've always wanted to do. No. You had to do it. And I remember like being in grade nine, we had like uh, like a careers class in grade nine, which is so crazy to think that like it started that early. Like you get into high school and you yeah. need to know what you want to do and who you want to be and, and all that. And I remember everybody sitting in our computers and people were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. And I was, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, and then I talked to like a high school guidance counselor, about what I wanted to do. And I went to, uh, an all French school, Catholic school where I had uh, a nun as a principal and it was very, um, educational. Like my, my, my education was educational, but no, um, <laughs> we like wanted to push you into like math and science and to be a teacher and a lawyer and, Um, I actually had my high school guidance counselor tell me like, you don't want to be a journalist. You are going to get paid absolutely no money. You are going to be working these long hours. You're going to hate your life and tried to push me in a different direction. And I stood my ground and I was like, I don't care about money. Good for you. Like I want to do what I want to do and I've wanted to do this my entire life. So why would it be like, why would I just change all of a sudden just because of money? I also have a question, no offense to people who are guidance counselors, but how much money are you actually making as a guidance, <laughs> right? counselor? As a guidance counselor? You have the right to say that to anybody. You know what? She knows, though. She's like, that's that paycheck is probably in line with mine. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Just like, don't do it. Don't yeah, do it. Don't trust do me. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, it's so, uh, so sad that they do to... that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bridge. No, go ahead. No, I just think it's sad that guidance counselors do that. I think they need to take more ownership for how much power they have over young minds. And, like, I feel bad for the kids that walk in with those dreams and then are told to go a different direction, and then they do because they think that's the adults telling me that's the decision, so go that way. Um, You know, nine times out of ten, that's not going to work. They're not going to actually follow through on being, like, a math Matician. Well, the thing is, they waste money, right? Like, I know people who are pushed yeah. into going into university. Like, they told me, like, go university route. And I was so set on college. And, you know, you, you have those people who don't know what they want to do, but their parents or their teachers or whatever push them into going to university and taking English or whatever, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, when you don't know what you want to do and you're just wasting thousands upon thousands of dollars and not everybody has the luxury of having parents who help them out financially right so it's just you end up in debt and getting this education that you don't technically maybe need down there and getting a job that doesn't relate to the the debt that you acquired yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) which like great yeah you can go to school and learn english but is it actually getting you the job maybe not yeah 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 good for you where did you go to school uh like university post-secondary yeah so I went to Canador College in North Bay shout out Panthers (laughs) 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 I was the Zumba instructor for our athletics so I feel like I was I was kind of an athlete no I'm kidding (laughs) you were like the cheerleader (laughs) athlete yeah Yeah. and I was dating like the instructor 
of the martial arts oh team. totally we had we had the guys volleyball team like the the coach thought it was so funny he like was like you can either do zumba class with kelsey on the other side of the gym or you can do your normal workout and like work like do your um yeah like get ready for your game or whatever like do cardio and like play around with the ball or go to kelsey's zumba class and like i had so many like men in my zumba class and it was a freaking blast that's amazing. i love that that's so much fun. Yeah, so Zumba, I like Zumba. I feel like Zumba is like a fairly new thing that people do. Were you just like ahead of the trend on that? I definitely was. Ah, my cat is uh... cuz it's like what? Like <laughs> 2010? Oh my gosh, I've had my certification earlier. since my first year of um college, which was 2010. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was No, right you disagree, bitch? Yeah, that's no, I, I was going to say I disagree, but that's because in my head, like, we were all in university two years ago. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my God, wait, 2010, yeah, okay. <laughs> 11 years ago. That's Woo. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So what, um, you got into college, you're on your journey to, you know, do your dream job. You obviously get very integrated into the campus life, being the Zumba instructor, getting all the boys to work those hips. Um, tell us a bit more about what your college life was like. Yeah, um, I feel like I have to preface the fact that I like went to <clears throat> French school my entire life. Like the only English class was English class. Like I learned everything in French my entire life. French was my first language. Uh, didn't speak word of English till I was five, and then decided to go to school. For journalism in English, which was stupid. Like, just like um, we, my first semester. I thought I was ambitious. My first semester, um, I was failing my editing and grammar classes because I legitimately did not know the difference between there, there, and there. Because they don't teach you that in like French English class. Um, yeah, you, like right. you read a book together in class and you do a book report. Like it's such a weird, like I didn't learn proper English and then I went to school for journalism and I had an amazing teacher who like stayed back after class and like helped me out and stuff. And I passed and I, I graduated honors and it was, it was amazing the journey that I went through, but, uh, it was tough. It was really the first year was super, super hard for me for sure. Just getting wow. by. Yeah. So how- like, how did you get through it? So this teacher stayed back after class and, like, helped you through it. Where Was there anything else that you did? Like, I'm just thinking of you I would quit. speaking I would, English I quit and sure. writing all this stuff. Like, I feel like there had to be more ways that you went to, you know, figure out English. Yeah, it was more. <laughs> like, more things that you did. I was just super passionate about it. And, like, I spoke English very, very, very well. It was just, like, the writing component that, like, I didn't, oh, properly, okay. I didn't know how to properly, like, do that because... We didn't even get graded. I remember, like, doing book reports and, like, we didn't even get graded half the time on, like, the actual, like, spelling and and grammar and stuff of different things. So Mm -hmm. um, that part was really hard for me. But, like, performing and, like, doing stand-ups in front of a camera and stuff, like, that didn't bother me at all. So Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, I kind of just got through and, like, I I went into, like, the TV – um stream first and then I went into radio which is all talking I hated I hated the newspaper element of the writing the print all that kind of stuff uh it was not for me um so I kind of just like went towards something that I that I was good at yeah that's awesome cool so then what point you uh you pivot and decide to not do that anymore 
were, did you graduate? Did you finish your program or was it partly through your program that you were like, get me out of here? No, I was, I finished it. I did three years, graduated with honors. Um, and like we started with like 40 some students and, and ended with like 15 because we were the last graduating class of oh. journalism at Canada College. So tons of people jump ship. It was, it was crazy. Really? Yeah. It Why? Was, it was nuts. Why though? Yeah. They thought that we weren't going to get as good an education because they like laid off some teachers and all this kind of stuff. And so I just stuck through it. I'm like, I'm already like one foot in, like, and I like what I'm doing. I love my program. I love my classmates. So I, I stayed in it. Um, but uh, yeah, after I graduated, I actually got a job right away, which is amazing. Um, I did a four-month wow. paternity leave at um, Eastlink TV News in Sudbury. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I got to cover some riveting stuff like 100th birthday parties and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what movie riveting. is that? It, it, um, Bruce Almighty, where at the end he's like covering the, the birthday with the big giant cookie. Yeah, there's that was you. That was me. I I I got in a bee suit one time, like Science North, which is like the science center in Sudbury, was doing like a bee exhibit, and I like got in a full bee suit and like did a stand up in a bee suit. Yeah, oh, it was no, no, not like a bee mascot suit, but like a bee, like oh. like to keep you safe oh. from the bees. Oh, I. <laughs> man, a bee suit. I when I was at Seneca, I got into the stinger. Oh, be outfit bee. and was a mascot wow. and i was like oh my god not only were we both mascots but we were both the of the bee species no no nope. definitely never been in a mascot <laughs> costume um maybe one day but yeah like Bridget, there was were some... you thinking the same thing oh yeah i was okay. i was like this is gonna make a great social media post that's what i was thinking <laughs> oh, somewhere in the world of youtube there are uh there is that new story that that lives so if, if you want to go look for it i'm not going to send you a link or anything but there are some new but stories on YouTube <laughs> that you could probably find of me in a bee suit okay perfect so were Cut you loving it that put it beside mary and there's an actual thing oh, bam so good perfect love picture that. what that. you do for the job eh what you do for the job yeah i um I, love it. I, I didn't like it at all so i did my oh. placement at ctv in sudbury as well oh, before you... i got into the actual career and i'll be completely honest with you tv is freaking ruthless the best reporter gets the best story Right. So everybody's fighting to be on top and to 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 get that story and to to report that that amazing news. Um, the older uh, reporters wouldn't even chat with me, like literally wouldn't say hello in the morning because they were like, oh, young blood's coming in. They're going to take my job. I won't even talk to you. What? Yeah, it was. And then you'd like write this story. And then you'd bring it back to like your your editor, or your news reporter, or whatever your your boss of of whatever sorts. And then they would like rewrite your story. And then you'd have to do a stand up in front of the camera, and it wasn't even your own words that you were using because it was so perfected by like your boss. And obviously, I was young and and like wasn't the best at it. I'm sure some of the older reporters like could write their own shit, but I didn't have the full opportunity to like, this is exactly me start to finish. And so I just kind of felt like I was like, 
don't know, living a lie. Like you had to look a certain way. You had to speak a certain way. Like the reporters that are on TV, like they get told what color their hair should be and like what, what, what color they look best in and just like silly, silly things like that. Like, and I just, I, I don't like that. It's very, sounds very like superficial almost where you just, you need to fit this mold that they're putting you in. Well, yeah, and especially when you come out of college, if it was a good experience for you, you're feeling yourself, you feel great about life, you feel great about the person that you are. If that's the stage of life you're in, you go into a job where they're like, we're never going to give you compliments on where you're at. We're never going to make you feel like you are achieving anything or you're going to do well in this industry because you're quote unquote a threat and we're going to keep editing and changing everything, which, yeah, maybe someone who's still in the industry could speak to like, why it's like that and what it does for, you know, grooming people. But I do do think it's something about like a millennial generation, the amount of people that walked into the same setting as you, but maybe were older and they were like, this is the reality. This is just what you do. I love my job and this is my job. But there's like an interesting seed in there where I'm like, oh, look at that. A millennial walked into like this traditional set and was like, fuck this. I'm out. No, you won't tell me what to do. I'm not going to try and change your industry, so I'm going to go do something else because I need happiness in my life as well. Yeah. No, it's, it's totally – you hit the nail on the head for sure. Yeah, that's and amazing. And I'm happy so that I'm part what, of that generation that, like, doesn't, like, conform – doesn't want to conform to to the the norm and stuff. I think that's pretty, pretty awesome too. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's such a good example of, like, when people say that millennials are lazy, it just fires me up so much because I don't believe that at all. Okay. I believe there's a lot of circumstances, but there we're are ambitious, we're smart we people. So... Like we're we're being lazy when we don't like like I don't have to be work on smart not seven. hard. Like exactly, yeah, lazy smart not hard. Totally, <laughs> lazy smart not hard. <laughs> That's the new saying right there. Uh, yeah, but it's, it is about like preserving yourself as a person and longevity, and so. If you are attached to yourself emotionally and you care about your well-being and you care about your relationships in your life as as like as young as you are at the time, it might just be like an instinct in your body, which is how I feel with me when I changed careers was I didn't know like I have hindsight now of why I did it. But back then I was like, no, I just can't do this. And now I'm like, yeah, there was like an instinct in my body to to just do something else I'm not happy here I'm not accepting this I need happiness I need fulfillment and that may look like I'm not pushing through the hard shit or I'm being lazy but it's not and anyone who knows me knows you certainly would say like you're not we're not lazy people but we're not going to you know you're not going to just stand by and like try and hit that point of being the best reporter and all of a sudden be in your 40s and be like a miserable Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you've, you know, had crazy life things that you regret versus now there's like, it doesn't sound like you have any regret for any of this. No. And I would never, ever like, I mean, we'll go kind of more into to my other careers, but like, I will never stay somewhere I'm not happy. I will never work in a job that I'm not passionate about it. I've kind of, and this has just kind of like worked out the way it is, but 
I've kind of stayed in jobs for like three and a half years. And so at that like three year mark, I've assessed, do I like this? Do I not? Like, where do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? Um, And I think that like a lot of like our parents and stuff, like they stayed in a job for like 50 years and retired, which is great. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. The pension's probably amazing, all that stuff. But like for me, like when I'm bored and I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, like I'm out. Like I'm just, I'm done. I'm also, I find that like, if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, I'm not good no, at it. No, exactly. Like, you're not you don't want totally. me there if I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to be at your best, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what – so the days you're like, I'm leaving this, I'm not going to stay in this job anymore, <clears throat> is that the last job you do in that industry? No, I uh, ended up – I had a short sit in marketing, but I don't even want to, like, talk about that because it, like, was, like, three months and it was what it was. Um, but I got into <laughs> – I got into radio after that. And nice. if it weren't for um, the crazy layoffs that, that radio has and um, the pay, which is horrible, um, I would <laughs> probably still be in radio. Crazy. Really? So you liked it. You liked the, I found like when I was in radio, I didn't like the hours that it was because it's just like, I, what show did you have? Like, what was your time slot? Yeah. So I started a job in promotions um, and then I started running my own street team and kind of like making a name for myself out in the community and whatnot. Um, and then I got the opportunity to be welcomed to the morning show. So we had two male wow. announcers who like, so if you know, like a kiss station, so like, you know, top forties, um, our demographic was like 18 to 35 women. Um, and you had two men that were like in their like late thirties, forties, who were on the morning show and they were phenomenal. They had um, personalities that were like so contrasting. Like one was like this big sarcastic, but also like lovable teddy bear, um, tell it like it is, whatever. And then we had this. Are we talking about Roz and Mocha here? No, we're not. We're not. We're not. (laughs) Okay. I was like, (laughs) they kind of always do that though, because the thing is they can't always agree. They have to argue, right? Like that, that they have to bring everybody's point of views up and, so um, the the other guy was like a father and like a germaphobe and like, you know, was very stickler in his ways. And um, they wanted a female, preferably a young female to come onto the show and ask those questions that everybody wants to ask but are too afraid to ask. Ooh, fun. That's yeah. Amazing. So with radio, I got to create with like, TV, it was like, you need to fit in this box. Where it was radio, I got to like cultivate like a, a character and a personality. And I got to kind of like play something different. And I got coached and it was super, super duper fun. And it wasn't like, they were never like, whoa, whoa, whoa don't ask that. Like, it was always a platform where I could like be myself. And it was so much fun. I loved it. I loved the guys that I was on the show with. Um... And then from there, I went on to be like the the fill-in person. So like if they need somebody in afternoons or whatever, like I was kind of just filling in, also doing the promotion stuff and so on and so on and so on um, and was making no money. So I was doing all these things (laughs) and making no money. And it came to the point where I was like, I have bills to pay and like I can't, I love my job. I love my job so much, but I can't. Um, and there was no way for like for me to get a raise at this point. It just I needed to to move on. 
So. Well, which is sad because you're like <laughs> living the dream, but like I have rent. <laughs> how do you make that decision though? Like how do you – did you rely on other people to be like – like I'm sure you had to talk to people a lot to ask their opinions and I don't know. How did you come to that decision to move on from something that you love so much? Yeah, I like I, – <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I, I knew my words. You looked at your bills. <laughs> right? I looked at my bills and I knew I couldn't <laughs> afford rent. So I needed to do something. <laughs> Um, no, I, like I, I, I like to say that like I, I knew my worth. I was working three jobs. Like I was on top of radio. I was serving and I also was uh, like an in arena host for an OHL team. So I was like the girl in the jumbotron, like doing giveaways and interviews and, and all the things. And I love that job too. Um, but I was working three jobs and I had no social life and I needed yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I need to separate my social life with my work life because my, my work life was so social, but it was on a different like scale. Um, yeah, you're turned on. You're not yourself. You don't get to just like, there's responsibility still being held there, right? And it's it gives a sense of freedom in the sense that like your life is scheduled out enough that you don't need to worry about your Friday night plans, which personally I love that. But at the same time, like, your brain is always on. You're not going to stop working. And the hardest part is when you're slowly starting to burn out and you're still not paying your bills. Yeah. It's not sustainable. I had an an ex that like would not go to like the grocery store or the mall with me because he was like the 30 minute trips take two hours because everybody fucking stops you and talks to you. And like, I have to be on, like, I can't like go with my hair all like up in a bun and sweatpants and whatever. Like I always had to I was a public figure and I, I had to be that person and, and I love it. And I would go back to it in a second if I got paid more money, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I actually, um, stayed in that career a little bit longer. I was living in North Bay and I moved my entire life to Kitchener, um, for a job in radio, but I was just doing promotions and getting paid 10 okay. grand more because it was down south. Oh, oh Wow. So, but I hated not being on air. It like killed me. So hold on. How old are you at this point? Like when you make that journey. I was going to ask the same thing. 2015, I think. So. 2015. So you are. I'm 29 right now. You're 29. (laughs) Do the math. I'm not good at that. So you're like 23, 24. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. That's math. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm leaving it up to you guys. 23, 24. No, but I'm just thinking about like your colleagues and your friends and where they're at. You know, there's always that comparison of you come out of school and, you know, did you go to school for the right thing? Did you not? Um, Depending on your friend group and your family, people are looking at you at that point to be like, did you make the right decisions? Yeah. Are you doing well? Oh, 23. Like, so you should have a job you've been in for a while and potentially getting a promotion soon. So when you start to make those changes, sometimes it comes along with that insecurity of like, Am I making mistakes? Am I just not finding my way? Will I ever find my way? Oh, God, my life is hard. Um, Welcome to being 20. Right. (laughs) But that change, like the money is awesome to just like skyrocket up by 10 grand more within the same industry. But that's a huge adjustment. That's like what? Three, four hours of a drive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Four and a half, five, depending on like my my entire family is in Sudbury. Um, nobody, including like my aunts, uncles, cousins, my sisters, literally nobody 
left Sudbury. I am the only person in my entire family that has left. And so even that was like a big thing, like, well, Kelsey's leaving. Like it was, it, my family was so tight knit and, and it was a shock for me, but it, it wasn't a shock because everybody knew that it was going to happen. Like I was never happy in a small town in a sense. I loved North Bay, hated Sudbury where I grew up. Um, but North Bay is where I found myself. So it was a little bit different and, and my family, like my parents weren't around to like, you know, parent me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, it was it, it wasn't a tough decision for me at all. I was ready for wow. it. So once you were in Kitchener, was there a transition period that was tough? My best friend came with me. So a month after I moved to Kitchener, my best friend got a job at a boutique hotel in Kitchener and moved in with me. So I had my Was this planned or coincidence? Planned kind of. So the day I got the interview for the job in Kitchener, she came over with a bottle of wine and she, we, we got wasted and I had some bottles too. As not one just does. the one bottle. But <laughs> I was going to say off of one bottle. Yeah, no, wow. I'm not that much of a lightweight. Um, Cheap date. <laughs> yeah. But I wish. She told me that like I, I had the best best friend in the world. She told me that I was going to get the job because I got an interview and that she was moving to Kitchener with me. Aww. Yeah, so I, I was very, very lucky. I My had best that friends would be like, bye. I'm, <laughs> I'm just picturing the situation of you guys like sitting on the couch crying because you're about to move to Kitchener. Just like, you're going to do it. You're going to be beautiful. It's going to be all <laughs> We're roses. Ugly crying, and like, I'm going to come so with glad. you. We're going to buy a house. <laughs> so I think that transition wasn't difficult for me because I had my best friend. Um, mm-hmm. but like I told you, radio is a little cutthroat. So, uh, I worked there for six months and got laid off. Oh, oh no. <laughs> After you uprooted your whole life. Yeah. Guys, I can't afford this. Oh, yeah. brutal. Okay. Let's talk about getting laid off. Right? Cause Bridget Ooh, and I yeah. have also been laid off and man, we yes. like this topic. It makes us stronger though. Yeah. I feel like all millennials have oh, been 100%. laid off. And we know what it's like, and you, you know, you, you have to deal with it. It's not fun at first. The first few weeks fucking suck, but we always mm-hmm. overcome yeah. it. Exactly. It's kind of like the people. way you think about a breakup now, where you're like, okay, I'm about to go into a really shitty period, but it's gonna get better, <laughs> and this will make me stronger. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 And there's this weird, like, you hate the person across the table from you, and then you have to get over that because it's just their job, and you attach your personality to your stupid job, and then you're like, I can't attach my personality to my stupid job, which makes you better in the next job. I literally could talk about this forever, but I want to talk about <laughs> you. So the day you walk in and you're getting laid off, how does that go down? Are you expecting it at all? Did they throw you a curveball? Absolutely not. I had no, no idea. Um, so it was, they kind of like cleared out the department in a sense. So I had a promotions director who did not have a background in radio, came in because he knew people in the community. He was very well known in the community um, and tried to like do all these things that didn't work. And he didn't like, he's used to having all this money and radio, you have zero money and he just like really royally fucked up the department. Mm. And they let go of him 
and they kept me on. And then, I don't know how long it was, like not even a month later, they were like, yep, we're we're getting rid of promotions. But then they brought somebody in because, um, so I was working for, for Virgin Radio and they are also affiliate with like CTV. So somebody from CTV came in and like was working their job, but also my job. So they just like eliminated it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, a it was, it sucked because I feel like having him in that role as like, not even a mentor, because, like, to be completely honest, like, I'm not trying to be full of myself, but I could have done his job. The, um, it, first of all, you're not full of yourself. You just have confidence, and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, bye. <gasps> She's gone. <laughs> Mary has been having a lot of trouble with technology these past two days. I'm being haunted, for and sure. Matt and Kelsey I are just haunted. disappeared from her. This has never happened before. Does she know Kelsey? how to get back on? I'm not there she is. There she is. Technology. I'm so sorry. No, I know. I think it was Mary's fault for sure. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> We've never had that. Oh yeah. Um, my household has been having a lot of technical issues the past few days, and I think we're being haunted. So I'm just gonna say that whoever's haunting me went into your computer. If you can take your ghost back, that would be great. I'm good. Like I'm totally good. What happened? I don't know. I had this weird pop up that said like leave You're Chrome, good. and I clicked no, and then everything went away. But. You know. And then I left Chrome. Oh. <laughs> it was like, we're going to close down shop anyway. So we're, Yeah, it's fine. We're not going to listen to it's you. Good. It's good. That's okay. But I, I'll pick up where we left off. What you said was not fully yourself. It's confidence. And I think you need to own that. That's okay. I think people need to, if you think you can do that job, take that and run with that. Um, so you you see they're making changes within this so their reason for letting you go is because your job is no longer needed like they dissolved the position overall basically that's what they told me it wasn't performance driven whatever um but like I knew the department wasn't doing well and then I didn't have like a person who's leading it so I couldn't make decisions I couldn't step into that role like I talked like had conversations about like okay well what happens now that he's gone and it's like oh we're gonna replace him um but that never happened and they just got rid of me so that was that was shitty devastating yeah Um, so what do you do after that but everything happens for a reason yes and what was the reason that you now know um so I made a lot of connections within the community um and one person who uh was phenomenal to me was um, a gentleman named Paul Maxwell. So he owns Maxwell's concert and events. So it's basically a concert and events hall. Um, and we used to do a lot of concerts with him. So like Virgin Radio features this artist that we play like on our station. Um, and so we became pals. And when I got laid off, I cried for two hours straight and then texted mm-hmm. Paul because Paul knows a lot of people, um, in the community and he knew what my passions were and we, you know, he had conversations and he hired me on the spot as a bartender. Great. And I mean, it's a concert venue. Like we made some amazing tips and it wasn't like my full-time job because we didn't have concerts every single night or whatever, but um, it definitely got me by for a bit. Um, And on my birthday, 
he, I worked the night of my birthday. He had no idea it was my birthday. And I had mentioned something about like, you got to be nice to me. It's my birthday. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to like, hi guys, it's my birthday. Like celebrate me. Yeah. Like it's not. Treat me differently today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a queen. Yeah. So, um, he's like, well, I'm going to take you out for drinks after, like after the shift, if you like, if you're free. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. So we went to a pub, we had a couple beers and he was like, you've been working with, for, with me for, for however many months, I think it was like three months or something. And he's like, have you found anything? What's like, what are your passions, whatever. And, um, I kind of told him about my background and my schooling and, and all the things. And he said, my friend at Laurier university is hiring a programming and promotions manager. Um, and I looked at the, like he, he literally texted his friend and was like, send me the job posting. I looked at the job posting at this bar and was like, I'm not qualified for this. Like I have no like events, like, I mean, other than running a street team at events and stuff like that, I don't really have an events background. Um, and he's like, no, you could do this job. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to apply cause I don't have a job right now. So what do I got to lose? Um, and I ended up getting it. And wow. that's this how is I a met crazy, Mary. <laughs> this is a crazy crossroads because the person who did your role before you, Deb Lamb, mm-hmm. her and I were up for that job and it was between her and I. No way. And you got it? Oh my gosh. No, no, no. Deb got the job. She got it and then I got in after And then her. Deb left oh, and Kelsey got I, the I job. I thought you just... Kelsey, I thought you just swooped in and took it from them. I was like, Absolutely oh, not. This is, about Mary was real. way more qualified for that job. <laughs> yeah. I also felt underqualified for that job, but the person that was hiring is like still a good friend and mentor to me to this day. And I just wanted it so badly. So I applied. But Deb had more experience and had gone to Laurier before, which like yeah. having alumni, it, those are those are student based roles. They come because of the students. We talk about that all before we talked about it on the podcast. So like I won't get into it, but I, I believe fundamentally that's the right thing to do is give the people who go to that campus who are students on that campus those jobs. And she was amazing. I love that girl. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, She's phenomenal. Yeah. So then when you came in, I was like, oh, that girl got my New job. <laughs> it's never been my job. But in my oh head, my it was my job. That's so funny. Yeah. And what's funny is you, you had mentioned the whole, like, they try to give alumni those jobs and whatever. And the one thing I had, like, for me was the fact that I didn't go to Laurier. And my boss was like, I literally wanted somebody who like wasn't part of the Laurier bubble and didn't know everything that we've done in the past and whatever. He's like, I wanted you to come in and shake things up. And I was like, sweet. And so uh, coming from a radio background where you have zero money to do all the things you want to do. Um, I think that was another one of my strengths is to, I had a freaking budget. I had like thousands of dollars. I'm not going to go into detail, but, and, and like, I did a lot with the small, or sorry, yeah, I did a lot with the big amount that I was given, but even more than somebody would do when they're used to having the money. Like I was able to stretch it and bring in all these acts and do all these things because I was used to saving money and bargaining and and all those things. So I think that that was, yeah, that worked in my favor. Also like the promotions background and stuff and promoting events and, and all kind of like came together. So even though I wasn't an event planner, I had all these other things that were for me and they took a chance on me and it worked out. It's amazing. So how many years were you in that role? 
three and a half. That's my uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my threshold. Man, yeah. you've been through so much, like so many job changes, and it's just like it just goes to show, like millennials. Yeah, that's what it's like now. Is we don't stay in the same job, which I love yeah. so much. I love that so much. Like you don't need to stay in the same job to like prove you're qualified like if someone looked at your resume in terms of skills your experience and your skills are vast they're huge there's so many that you don't get to be pigeonholed they can't pigeonhole you versus people that and there's nothing wrong with this either but you you go to school and then you go to job in that career and you stay within that career and you work your way up it's also very impressive to me because I could never like I like you I have a threshold I need to keep things spicy you need to keep challenging Um, yourself and like keep challenging yourself and pushing yourself Mm -hmm. and like learning new industries and new jobs I think is just so good for you and there are always you know relative skills that you can transfer into a new industry um so you're now at Laurier and you're doing this like campus life what's your personal life like at this point because you were working a million jobs in back in North Bay and had no life, and now you've built this life in Kitchener. You're doing this impressive step up. What's your personal life looking yeah, like? Yeah, I mean, I was still working two jobs. I, st- I stayed at Maxwell's. I'm still at Maxwell's. My last shift was like February 2020, so I can't wait to go back once live music inside is, is a thing. Um, but uh, I had met a lot of people. Um, I, I was really good friends with a lot of people that I worked in radio and kind of like built my my friendships on that um I I don't usually turn down like an event or a gathering (laughs) at all um so I think that I had enough time for 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 friends and for for work and it was a really really good balance um and I loved what I did and yeah it was the, the best job I had and I loved it that's amazing. That must have been such a nice change from, you know, working three jobs earlier, not having any social life. Like, that must have felt really good. Oh, totally. So at this point, you're still in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. Technically, right okay. now I'm in Cambridge, but... <laughs> but you're still in the area. There's a little city you, over, like, like you yeah, didn't, still in the area. You didn't go back to... Um, no, Sudbury North Ontario at all. Bay. No, and I won't. Like, I will okay. never, ever. Maybe when I retire, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, like, I'm one of those people, like, I'm ready to go to, like, France when I retire. Like, that's my thing. Yes. But, yeah. Keep exploring. Oh, I love that. Okay, so you're currently working at Maxwell's. You left this job with um, Laurier. Laurier, right? what what came next yeah so the world shut down pandemic stuff happened and I hated hated virtual events and like I don't use hate like lightly like I like despise being at home being on my computer doing all these like techie things and like not be able to see people enjoy the events and like work with the students and and all this stuff and I felt like because like TikTok was becoming like super duper popular and and all these things, I felt like I was like slowly losing touch with students. Like I had no idea what they wanted. I had no like I I wasn't a TikTok person. I still like I I haven't been on TikTok in like five months. Like I just it's not my thing. I like Instagram, love Instagram, but TikTok's not my thing. So I just didn't get it. 
and I didn't feel connected with the students. And so at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm done. Um, yeah. So but hold on, because also you were going to be the chair of the COCA conference that year of 2020, um, which is also for anyone who doesn't know, a lot of people who step into that role, it's very new. It is a part of the conference that, that that's a great learning experience and kind of career builder for you um, and is a really big event to take on. It's a big organization. So the world shuts down and you guys have students still, but you're obviously looking at enrollment for the next year. Uh, you were a part of this whole Doug Ford thing where Doug Ford took all of the money out of student oh God, that funding seems like so long ago opted I know like it was the last <laughs> coca that was like we had like an emergency it was like a general meeting that, that doesn't happen often but it was like let's get everybody in Ontario that has a school um in a room and talk about this because it it is like it could be the life or death of student unions and you guys are the people in the jobs that are going to keep that going you are student life you're in touch with those humans those relationships are super important so you're already dealing with that and then the pandemic hits what what is that experience like like are our kids our kids are students engaged on these virtual events as much as you hated it you still did them you still helped execute a virtual coca you still helped uh, execute virtual events with laurier you guys pivoted hard so whether it was successful or not like was it attended well was it received well I still had a lot of like passion and drive for my for my job. And I felt like I'm sitting at home and I felt like I kind of worked even harder in a sense because I had more time on my hands. Um, And like, even though I actually didn't get to execute my virtual a week fully, um, we had a stacked week. Like, I mean, I, I hosted two virtual concerts that were Canada wide um, and was like the chair of, of the, those concert committees. And so I, I felt like I just kept on like push. I'm like, the, I get, get, keep on getting pushed down, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to make the best of, of the situation that we have. And, um, from my understanding, like we had a pretty decent turnout, um, compared to like other schools and stuff like that. So, um, you guys are frozen. Can you still hear me? Yeah. We're good. We're frozen. <laughs> yeah. So, Great. or are we just no, hearing no, actively listening that's good so okay so then um how long into the pandemic are you like okay I think I need to shift my gears again um oh my god Uh, I left August of last year so however far into the pandemic I don't know like I I was gonna say like I don't like like, no timing of the pandemic like I feel like we lost like five months yeah yeah I was like a year no that wasn't a year at that point yeah you're right Bridge it was like five months timing doesn't make sense anymore yeah what is time (laughs) it is involved right what is time so but still good like you finished out your year and then yeah where'd you go Mm -hmm. yeah so so this was after I assume like after the school year school year's over yeah this was it was in the middle of summer yeah so so I um I've always been into beer uh I love I love craft breweries um it's always been a thing I was like super super into um and I saw this posting on LinkedIn and it was for uh, customer service representative at Collective Arts Brewing. And I'm like, I'm going to apply for the fun of it. To be completely honest, like I didn't want to, like I worked retail for like 
freaking over 10 years. Um, and I was really good at it. Like I still at Christmas time, like I miss being able to like help somebody find like their perfect Christmas gift for their like family member or like, you know, like I had women being like, I like shopping like you is like shopping with my best friend. Like I miss that. Like I miss dressing up humans yeah. like a Barbie doll. Like I miss that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I was totally done with like in that sense, the customer service world. And I feel like that was kind of like comparative in a sense. Um, I literally applied because I was like, this sounds like a cool job. And I love uh, what they do with artists. I love their 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 values and and what their mission is. Um, and so I applied. There was like 700 applicants on LinkedIn. Because wow. you can see how many people like actually apply, right, on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something different. And if it works in my favor, that's cool. If it doesn't, like it is what it is. Um, so I messaged the CEO of the company on LinkedIn. And I messaged one of the HR people. And I just said, like, hey, I apply for this job, introduced myself, um, basically just, like, did a quick, like, synopsis of, like, why I would be good for this position. And um, I, I heard back. And the uh, guy in HR messaged me and said, like, send me your resume personally to this email. Um, and I did. And then, like, I don't know if it was the next day or a couple days later or whatever, he was like, all right, so like you have to answer these like seven questions. And they were your traditional like, you know, like why do you think you're good for collective and like, um, you know, like what did you get paid in your prior job? Like just the simple like questions that most people like ask in a, in a normal face-to-face interview. Um, I answered those. And then like a, a couple days later, I there were some more like strategic questions in terms of like um, like scenarios. So, like, this mm-hmm. person emails uh, us because their beer order was wrong. Like, what do you do? Like, just, like, random customers. Like, things. And they were all, like, emails or, like, messages that, like, were real that, that we received. And it was so hard because I had to, like, I didn't know what their protocol was. And I was like, okay, I don't want to, like, just give merch away for free because I don't want to, like, lose a bunch of money. But, like, also, like, these customers are important to us. So, like, what do I do? So I kind of, like, I don't know. I just answer these questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the best of my ability without knowing any Yeah, because it's also, like, is this, like, something they've done in the past or is that, like, a COVID thing where they're, like, let's just throw these questions out ahead of time before doing the Zoom call? So... Like, what's their strategy? They actually didn't have a... a, a a customer service department. So it was, they had people in like retail and like events and stuff like taking these, um, these inquiries and, and, and answering these emails and doing these things, but they didn't actually have like a a department. So they were trying to create this department because we were growing so quickly. And, um, with the pandemic, like we had to switch, and um start to do like home deliveries which was never a thing before but all of our restaurants and bars accounts they weren't open so like we needed to pivot and we needed to make money right so customer service was very important um then I got a phone interview with um who is now like my my manager and the HR person um And it wasn't too crazy. They asked me some really like personal, nice, like good questions just to kind of get to know me more versus like grilling me. Um, And I got offered the job like the next day. 
Wow. wow. And so I don't think they like, I don't think they interviewed many other people. Like I just, it kind of all just happened. And um, it's a small, it's a small business. Like it's, it's a small company. And I think it was like my second day, the CEO of the company schedules calls with all the new employees. Which, like, I think it's just, like, so freaking cool, like, that you take the time of your day yeah. to, like, yeah. welcome your new employees. And, like, he asked me questions about myself and where I had been. And, like, I just, I don't know. I've never, even though we were less just, than. like, getting to know you. Right? Le- we were less than 200 employees at this point, And, like, I just thought that it was so awesome. Um, well, and because you're such, like, a beer enthusiast, there must be this part of like, I can't believe I get to go on the inside of this and see right? these people and how they operate and be a part of like the passion that is making these drinks. Working at Pommies, I had that same experience where like I yeah. walk in and I'm like, man, like it's so weird how emotionally you get attached to like how this came to be. And I want to get to the part about you being the liaison for the artist because like mm-hmm. you you get to be a part of the conversations before this gets made. And for the listeners, I'm pointing at the can. Um, <laughs> but you have, oh, Bridget's getting up to deal with her cat. That happens every episode. Um, but yeah, so like you get on the inside of this and is it just like almost like a starstruck? Like you can't believe you're doing something like this? Yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts. Like it was definitely like, yeah, cool to talk to like the man who basically started it all and like has this like dream and passion. And, um, what is like really cool was he actually received my email or my message story on LinkedIn and he messaged our HR person and was like, Hey, this girl's great. So I never actually had to, um, submit like references and he's like, Hey, I'm really sorry that I didn't answer your message on LinkedIn and I was like oh my god you saw that like ooh. <laughs> you remember you know and he's I like am? I was your reference oh. he's like I looked at your your LinkedIn profile and and I liked it and I was like how freaking cool is that that like that's amazing that's so cool he 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 liked what he saw and he kind of went off a whim and whatever and 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 I ended up getting hired which was nuts and I ended up leading the department um they had like I got the lead um customer service role and I had somebody who like worked with me um I wouldn't say under me because we basically did the exact same job but like I was the lead and 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 we worked together as a team um and it was cool because I I feel like as a customer service rep like I got the questions from all the outside people and like I got to really know the company quickly, and I had to know it quickly, and I had to know who to reach out to to ask all these ask all these questions. And so I made connections, and I knew a lot about Collective, sitting from my home, like you know, what I mean, like answering emails from some random mm-hmm. people because I had to know all the answers. Yeah. So it was really it was. And really I saw cool on your Instagram in when you like were getting in there and learning. You also learned lots about the beer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We did taste testing and, and all the things. And that was definitely a lot of fun for sure. <laughs> yeah. I remember I there was, ha- I bet you guys have the best staff socials. I haven't had one I guess really. You can't because, uh, I was going to say like, never mind. I haven't done a, a, a staff, like all staff thing yet because it's, oh, we haven't so been sad. able to. Yeah. yeah. I, hopefully we have a yeah. Christmas party. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. So has there been any crazy adjustments within the company since, I mean, you came in there p- 
like once the pandemic had already started, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the world is opening up again and the way beer is sold has changed because of the pandemic. You got, you say that the company's pivoted because of that. Um, what is different now, a year later after you've been in this role for 12 months? Um, I think we used a lot of this time for like a lot of experimental things. Like I feel like we released a lot of product. Like I feel like when I started, we had like, our, our beers and we had like gin and then now we've we've gone like I think we had maybe like one or two um gin cocktails as well but now we've done like lemonade and like beer mimosas and uh, bitters and we have sparkling water now and like we've tried so many different things like we have so many products it's, it's nuts like there's something for everybody and we just keep on uh, releasing new things and working with different kinds of like liquor and seltzer and, and all the things I can't reveal too much. I know all the things. <laughs> There's more stuff coming. Oh my God. Ooh, Which will is it be hard. in our care package? Pardon me? <laughs> will it be in our care package? Oh, you know, maybe. We, oh, we have testers. teas. So we have like hard teas, really? that, but they're not like like a twisted tea that's like really like sweet and, and you can only have one because it's just crazy. But um, like they are like brewed like like loose leaf like brewed teas but they have alcohol in them and they're dangerous they're (laughs) they're extremely dangerous because you can't use the alcohol at all um but it's but yeah, in there. So maybe I'll have to get you guys some of them. Sounds healthy. <laughs> right? Wait, that's crazy. Wait, wait, wait. So is it already drinking. pre-canned? Yeah, yeah. Root? So they're they're okay. basically like canned cocktails kind of thing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But okay. yeah, it, it's 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 tea. That's crazy. Because wow. like knowing how hard it is to get skews on the shelves at the LCBO, like your team that's putting these flavors together and getting cans on shelves and like you guys are always fully stacked everywhere I go the brand is incredible you guys are online like crazy um it's just so impressive our sales team would love that just echo that from the rooftop yeah collective arts sales team love ya and my years like my time yeah, my time working at Pommies, I look to Collective Arts often to be like, what are other brands doing? Like even just photography and video work for social media can be so tricky. Like I would say to Bridget, like how many times can I take a picture of this can? Like it, it's so yeah, hard no. after a while. And Collective Arts always has badass, awesome marketing. And I, I just love it. Like it's so brilliant. Yeah, no, we're um, very lucky to work with such a like an innovative company. Like it, it's so the reason I'm like obviously I like beer. I'm passionate about beer. I enjoy beer, but like we're so much more. Like, um, so after um, being in the customer service role for three months and two weeks, um, I was mm-hmm. I was I don't know if I was promoted, but I was I was put into an, a, a new role. Um, and so I am now a marketing coordinator and artist liaison for, for collective. And I am part of the marketing team. Um, but like, I see things like kind of like at the very start and at the very finish, like the, the magic that our team works like in the middle to create these campaigns and stuff, to be honest, I'm not really part of them because I am the one um, like reaching out to the artists. So when we decide that, you know, like this artist, uh, Maya Fadula is on this glass, like 
I reach out to her and I say, we want your artwork on this glass and I set it up and then marketing like takes this and like makes the glass, produces it and then puts it into a marketing campaign and whatever. Um, and how ex- are the artists like really touched they're phenomenal. when you reach out to them? Like, yeah, like what, what is it like? It is, it is so cool to be able to, um, like watch somebody's dream come true. Like in a sense, like it, it, it's, it really, yeah. it's so, so amazing. So, so kind of just to give you like a little bit of background of what happens is we have open call for arts. So they're open four months at a time and artists could submit to that call for art. And then every four months, I gather like a jury of um, people in the music and arts and beer world, usually about six members. And, and basically, they go on to the back end of our website and they vote for their favorite pieces of art. And it's literally like Tinder for artwork. So <laughs> it's like a That's check so mark good. or an X, basically, swipe right, swipe left. Um, and that's how we put together our series so it's not collective that's choosing these pieces it's very um like and and like the artists don't like you don't see the artist's name or anything so it's super inclusive literally the the jury is just voting based off artwork that's it that's all cool so then once those labels have been templated and like i don't know for example like i like um life in the clouds and life of the clouds and i'm looking for life in the clouds i'm holding up a can by the way um life in the clouds has a blue strip on it um our jam up the mash which is another one of our core beers has a red strip on it our hazy state radio has a green the mothership radio the mothership it? has like a shiny red one so mm-hmm. you kind of if you like a beer because all of our cans are always going to look different because we always have pieces of art on them so if you know what beer you like you kind of look for the color um, and we match the artwork with the color. And our graphic design okay. team does that. Um, and so, like, I get to reach out to the artists and let them know, like, hey, your art's been chosen. And this is what we need from you. And kind of build and cultivate that, like, amazing relationship. And um, there's usually more that comes with it. Like, we'll have one of our sales team who's working with one of their restaurant accounts who wants to do a mural on one of their walls. And so I get to look at the artists in that um, in that location and be like, hey, we want you to create a mural for this 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 restaurant. And like we pay for cool. it. Like we always pay our artists. Every single artist that's on our can gets paid. Um, and they also they keep ownership of their own, like they keep the rights to their own artwork. We're just paying for the rights to use it. So that's great. If they, if people like what's on the can, like they can go and contact the artist and like maybe get a print or a, a bag or like something so they can use our, if, if people like the piece, they can hopefully make more money from, from us just kind how, of like putting it out in the world. How collective of you. <laughs> I was literally about to say very collective. <laughs> it's a collection of arts. Would you what look a collection of art. And we just started doing on-demand prints, which is really cool. So, like, if you like the print that's on your can, if the artist agrees to it on our website, you can literally buy the print. Mm. And we pay our artists. Like, we do 50-50 of the profit. So, we take in half to to help us with our cost of operation, obviously. And the other half goes to the artist. And if you look at, like, Society6 and all these other um, companies that are doing this, like, they are paying the artists a fraction of what we are paying them. 
So we're really in it for the artists. If it wasn't for the artists submitting their work and working with us, like we would not be a company. We would not be a brand because we rely heavily mm -hmm. on our artists and, and our budgets yearly, literally most of that budget goes to paying the artists. It doesn't. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It is. I'm convinced. I'm switching over. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's honestly so delicious. I might just be saying that because this is 8.5, but this is <laughs> delicious. <laughs> For no, the listener, I haven't drank. I've been very mindfully drinking it. Um, How do you guys come up with the names for the um, for the beers? Um, so we actually, it's funny. We just got an email like last week, I guess. But um, basically our like innovation team is like, hey, we're, we're putting together a new core beer. This is what it's going to be. We want names. And so we have like a spreadsheet of like, like any of our employees can go in and like suggest some names for these things. And so, and all of our Toronto beers. So we just open, not just, but I guess it'll be one year on Thursday, we opened our second brewery in Toronto. So our, our flagship breweries in Hamilton, we opened a second brewery in Toronto. Um, we just opened a taproom in Costa Rica. Um, Whoa. It just, yeah, we just Whoa. keep on growing. It's nuts. <laughs> but like our Toronto beers are, are small batch beers. And we pump out like a ton of beers a month from, from this small batch brewery. And they're all bottles, which is awesome. So we're always looking for new names for our beers because there's so many that are coming out. So yeah, we basically rely on 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 our staff that's so cool but a collective that's awesome i write a collective but when i was trying out my beers when i first started um aaron who was our gm for our hamilton location he kind of told me like a little bit of history like so ransack the universe was a um i think it was like a vintage clothing store and i can't remember it might have been in toronto some I, I don't know somewhere and our um ceo or cco loved it and like pulled over and said like we want to name a beer after you guys and like brought them in and apparently did like the, the photo shoot of the new beer, like inside of their, their vintage clothing store and whatever. So like inspiration pops up everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yeah. They're so creative. And it's, right? amazing. it's amazing to work with someone versus like, oh, I can't do that because they own that. Right. And like, there's no, why would we connect like a vintage clothing store with beer? But mm -hmm. it can mm -hmm. work. And it's amazing to just be like, hey, you have a really cool name. Can we borrow it for a beer? Right. And, and the, the fact that they like, like incorporated them in the whole like rollout of it. And I just thought that was like so cool because you're giving like another voice, another company, another person like the chance to be like featured and in the forefront and spotlighted. And it's, 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 it's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah, not your passion this. for this is insane. <laughs> My like cheeks hurt. Yeah, it is. I you love it tell. so much. But, yeah. But yeah. it's like, you're like, if, if anyone listening to this, like think back to your, the beginning of your story to now, you are in the entertainment industry. You have been the person on camera being through the grind of what it is to be a persona then you do a job that you love that makes no money and that's like the life of an artist and then you go and work somewhere where you are promoting and buying you know bands to come into schools and all that so like you work on all these aspects of an industry and all of a sudden you go work at a beer company where you might think why would that relate but your passion for why you work there and their love for working for artists and respecting artists and promoting artists and like helping other artists succeed it all it's like this weird bow tied at the top of your like career where you go next girl I don't know but it's gonna be great but like 
so cool it's so cool and like seeing your passion for this I'm like of course you're so passionate like the reason all the things that makes collective arts amazing are things that made you leave other jobs totally Mm -hmm. and I I always said like I don't have like a talent per se in terms of like a video visual audio talent like I don't my talents people I love to work with people um but I think the reason why I, it's I not was, true. I've seen you dance and you can <laughs> dance. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. These hips don't lie. Uh, <laughs> Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> no, That's I great. just feel like the moment you compliment me, I'm like, oh, my cheeks are rosy and I can't. But um, no, I, I respect people in the arts and music industry so, so, so much because I can't do it myself. And I think that's the reason why I just, like, I respect, like, because I want to. Like, I would love to be able to, like, freaking paint something or to be able to play an instrument. And I've tried. I can't. Um, <laughs> but I think that that is the reason I'm, I'm doing what I am doing today is because, like, I just respect the industry so freaking much um, that it just makes me so passionate. I think it's freaking cool that people can do what they do. Like, people are amazing. Like, the, the things that people can do is, like, there's no limits. Like, it's it's incredible. And I'm just here to help, like, promote you and facilitate the platform to be able to do that. <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, I think I already have an idea of what you're going to say for this next question. But if you had any advice to give to your 20-year-old self or to people who are 20 now... You've been through a lot. You've gone through a lot of jobs. You've gone through a lot of different passions. What would you tell them? Don't do something that you don't love. Like, e- even though it might be rough and, and times, are, times are tough sometimes financially and um, just, like, dream big and, and do what you are passionate about. Like, I don't, regardless of, of all the obstacles that come in your way, just keep on trucking and you'll be doing something that you love all the time and it's like you'll never work a a day in your life oh I love that I love that Mary's frozen oh Mary was frozen with the biggest smile on her face she's like (laughs) so happy (laughs) um again might be that 8.5 but it's also just talking to friends well thanks so much for coming on to chat with us Kelsey it's been great hearing about your story There's Thanks for having so me. So much to you. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I'm like a an ogre, uh, you know. I have layers. How's that? The Shrek <laughs> onion. I'm like an onion. onion. <laughs> Ogres are like onions. They have layers yeah, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Layers. Love a good Shrek reference. You smell? No. <laughs> <laughs> and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Yeah. So many Shrek references these days. Oh, I love it. Love That's it. Amazing. Gotta watch Shrek. Well, this has been another yeah. episode of the Talking 20 podcast. Make sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite streaming platform to help us grow. And make sure to follow along with our shenanigans on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Talking 20 Podcast. And of course, make sure to follow Kelsey on Instagram at who underscore else underscore but underscore Kels. (laughs) See you next week.